Ephesians chapter 4, the passage is printed in the handout, or look it up in the Bible. Uh, this passage is one that has most influenced my understanding of Christian ministry. At the same time, it's been a source of personal frustration. Uh, I need to hear uh, this again today. Uh, so Ephesians uh, chapter 4, we're going to then look at five things to pray that my church would be a body growing in maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Why is this passage a source of personal frustration for me? Well, this passage says that leaders, uh, apostles, evangelists, uh, pastors and teachers, these leaders are appointed in Christ's church to equip believers. And so often I feel ineffective in this. So often I feel like I let myself get too distracted from that task and that role. More than any other passage, this one has shaped my conviction that this is what Christian ministry is all about. And as I say, sometimes this is where I feel least effective. So let's make sure you and I <coughs> are understanding the passage uh, rightly. Look with me again at verse 11 and 12 to see that we are to be equipped. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. We are to be equipped and through this equipping we will be a church that is built up. Now often when we think about equipping, we think about skills and training, workshops, equipping in this context in Ephesians, is more than training. Equipping in the Christian life is more than going to workshops. It is more than skills. It is more than something that is just for those who look like they have more to offer. At its heart, equipping is discipleship. It's not a program for the super spiritual in the church, but a steady path for everyone to grow more and more like Jesus in knowledge, in faith, in godliness, in service, kind of the things that Will was talking about for what it looks like for children to bear fruit for years to come. It is that steady growth to be more and more like Jesus. Now the book that we're working through expands on this prayer point and suggests praying that leaders 
will have wisdom in discerning the areas where church members need equipping most and how best they can do that equipping. I'd appreciate your prayers in that. Our elders and our, our, our ministry staff team would appreciate your prayers in that, that we would be discerning and that would be uh, having the ideas for how to best uh, equip people for that. But we've got some help in this passage. And points two to four out of the book spell out what the built-up church looks like, what it looks like as we grow more and more like Jesus. And point two is be united. (coughs) Be united. Our unity together in church could come from being Presbyterian. Our unity could come from being uh, located in and around Gungahlin. It could be a geographical thing. Our unity could be that we have a habit of meeting at this particular time and place each week. Then, whatever that point of unity is, in order to keep that unity intact, to maintain that relationship, we then minimise and or ignore every other difference that we might have. But Ephesians envisages a radically different unity a radical unity, a unity that is not the result of ignoring differences or minimising our differences or finding the lowest common denominator. Ephesians envisages a radical unity that is the result of building up and adding in and sharing more of diversity. Uh, The whole of the letter of Ephesians is a call to unity. If you've got your Bible, turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. If not, just listen in. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. I'm just going to pick up a few of the verses on the way through Ephesians that point us to unity amidst a diverse group of people. So Ephesians 1, verse 10. The Apostle Paul here is writing to the church, to the Christians in Ephesus, and says in the second half of the verse that he's to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head. Even Christ, everything that belongs to Christ is going to come together in unity underneath him. Now the early church in Ephesus was distinct in that it had a a group of Gentile or Jewish Christians who had connections back into God's Old Testament people, the Israelites, and a group of Gentile Christians, the people from the nations who weren't Jews, everybody else, and bringing them together. And so have a look at chapter 2, verse 14. It was common for these two groups of people to be separate from people from each other, to be, to be hostile, to disagree with each other. But look what's happening in chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two, that's Jew and Gentile, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh, this is in Jesus' flesh, Uh, the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man, one new people out of the two, thus making peace. If we turn over to chapter 3, verse 6, we see it described like this. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, the Jewish Christians, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. There is a unity that is made possible in diversity. So in chapter 4, verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity 
not of denominational ties, not of geography, not of habit, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, through the bond of peace. And then as we come to verse 13, which we read together a moment ago, that as we're being equipped so that the body of Christ may be built up, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The source of our unity is Christ Jesus. He brings diverse people together in genuine relationships of love and service. You could look around at one another and see that we are a diverse bunch. We could be more diverse. You need not look around now if it feels like the people behind you might feel a little bit embarrassed. You can picture those people in your mind. You can picture perhaps other churches that you've visited or been part of over the years or imagine other churches in other parts of the years, how, uh, in other places around the world, just how diverse some people could be. And they are brought together in unity in Christ Jesus in genuine relationships of love and service. The built-up church is more and more unified while at the same time its people can be more and more diverse. In the coming weeks, we are going to launch a Sunday afternoon service. And largely, the elders of our church have put this in place uh, to enable the congregation that was meeting in Harrison uh, to relocate together. It also gives us a renewed opportunity uh, to be reaching out to the people around the wider Gungahlin area who might connect in with an afternoon gathering. Now, some of us who will be considering uh, joining this Arvo Church... Some of us might be thinking, who's going to be there who will be like me? Will school-age families go along? Will it be a place for empty nesters? Will it be a place for retirees? Will it be a place for single people? Will it be a place for youth, for young marrieds who don't have any kids? Well, Ephesians steers us in this direction... It's for anyone who longs to see unity in diversity. Diverse people seeking out genuine unity in Jesus. And just as we do a renewed congregation in our church building in the afternoon, this congregation gathered on Sunday mornings in this building will be for anyone who longs to see diverse people seeking genuine unity in Jesus. That's an Ephesians 4 church. And that's what we can be praying for new life. Now our third point is that the church, the built-up church, is a mature church. But we'll become mature. This time next year, all of us will be 12 months older. Some of us will be 12 months taller. Some will be 12 months stronger. All of us will be 12 months more experienced in life. In 12 months' time, this time next year, will we be 12 months deeper in our knowledge of God? Will we be 12 months steadier in our faith? Will we be more like Jesus next year than we are right now? Will we be more and more enriched in contentment and joy? Well, we can be. Paul gives us a model prayer for this in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Uh, Jot those verses down, look it up later. He prays here that this kind of life and maturity would come from Christ dwelling in us by his spirit. It's a model prayer and it's a wonderful prayer 
that we can keep in our toolkit to be praying for ourselves and to be praying for one another. The passage again, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. A model prayer that we might become mature. Point four is that we might be steadfast. What tosses us around in life? What sways us from one side to the other? What gets us bobbing up and down? Disappointment? Uncertainty? Trials? Sadness? Grief? Being let down? Having wrong belief about God and ourselves and the world? Well, God gives us two things that we might be steadfast in the faith. Firstly, he gives us the truth of his word. It equips us for all the ups and downs of life in this age. He gives us his word. And secondly, God gives us the steady support of other believers. And so a prayer that we be steadfast is a prayer that we'll be deeply engaged in God's word. If we're going to pray that we and one another will be steadfast, we're praying that we'll be deeply engaged in God's word across this year. It's a prayer that we'll be used by God to support one another as we go through the waves of life. I have two kayaks. Actually, I have about 20 kayaks, but I want to tell you about two of my kayaks. One of them is a double minnow. It's a fishing kayak. It's wide, it's open, it's fairly low decks on the side, it doesn't go very fast, it just kind of bobs along, it goes up and down on the waves. Um, The kind of boat that if I'm fishing in Lake Burley Griffin and a decent breeze comes up, I start to feel nauseous with the bobbing up and around. This kayak just goes up and down and up and down. Oh, that's one of my kayaks. I also have an Avenger whitewater racing kayak. It is designed to go hard, straight and fast through the wildest of, wa- wildest of white water. Even the deck is designed in such a way that it sheds water. It doesn't go up and down on waves. It doesn't bob and wobble from side to side. Though it is a pretty unstable boat, But when you get it up to speed, it just cuts hard and fast through whatever comes at it. Now, we want to be like an Avenger racing kayak. There'll still be waves in life. They will hit us in the face. We will get icy cold water down the front of our buoyancy vest. But with the truth of God's word built into our life and the support of other believers... God won't leave us bobbing up and down on the lake, but God will enable us to track smoothly through the wild water and waves of life. That's our prayer, to be steadfast together. Now the fifth point is a group image. Growing together, working together to build each other up. Let's have a look again at verse 15 and 16. Instead of being blown everywhere, here and there, instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In the church, each of us has a very personal, 
an individual role, but it can't be worked out on our own. One of my favourite exercise programs, other than going whitewater kayaking, is group boot camp. Doing it in a group, because across a six-week program of meeting three early mornings a week, our goal is a group goal. As a group to be fitter, as a group to be faster, as a group to be stronger, we do it together. We get up at 5:30 in the morning and we leave no one behind. Each person is is pushing on the person next to them, encouraging them to keep up, running back around and bringing the slowest back up to the group. The last time I did group、uh, boot camp,、uh, one of the guys who、uh, I, I spent most amount of time with was James. At the start of it, he couldn't do five push-ups in a row. He couldn't do five sit-ups in a row. He couldn't do five dips in a row. He couldn't do five squats in a row. Our boot camp was to get to a hundred of each in a row, and James did it with the encouragement of the people round about him. He got fitter and faster and stronger. There was a mother-daughter team there that we called the Tiger Team. Uh, the daughter was 45. The mother was 65. Our warm-up was to run two kilometres around the block in Gungahlin. They couldn't make it to the end of the car park and back, but with encouragement from the rest of the group, with the hard work of supporting each other, by the end of the six weeks, they could run the whole two kilometres together, carrying the combat rope. There's a real buzz in seeing that kind of success, of celebrating that together. Now the book, Five Things to Be Praying for Our Church, suggests praying that God will give us specific opportunity to build up the others round about us, and to particularly be praying that each time we see each other, we'll be able to do that exact thing. Imagine if each week, ten people were prayerfully and proactively preparing to build. Ten other people up at church. Could you imagine that? Imagine if it was one whole block who were prayerfully and proactively praying, praying and preparing each week to build up other people. What if it was half of us? What if it was everyone? We'd be in an amazing boot camp. This is what will happen if we are asking God to help new life to grow and build one another up. Why pray these things? Why pray these five things? Not so that we just might have a warm buzz together. It's more than achieving something together. It's that we might celebrate God's work in us, to grow us into a mature, unified body of Christ. Now, I said earlier that this passage was a source of personal frustration. Because I can feel ineffective in equipping others, or let myself get distracted from that.、Uh, while I was preparing and reflecting on this passage this week,、uh, my ministry mentor, not even knowing that I was working on this passage, he challenged me with this statement: "God grows His people, and Jesus builds His church." God grows His people, and Jesus builds His church. This is a comfort and a rebuke to me. I need not be anxious and distressed about my ministry plans, not always going to plan. God grows His people, and Jesus builds His church. But at the same time, Jesus has given me a role to do. Jesus has appointed me, and I'm to get stuck into it. 
because God is growing his people and Jesus is building his church. Will you join me in this? Will you join me in praying these things for new life? Praying this for one another today and right across the year. That we'll be equipped by God, that we'll be united in Christ, that we'll become mature in faith, steadfast in God's word, steadfast in supporting one another, building each other up. Now alongside praying these things, Uh, We want to guide you in the next couple of weeks to be practically thinking about the year ahead. And you'll find in the handout today a page titled New Year at New Life. How will you CBR? How will you connect in? How will you build up? How will you reach out? I want to encourage you to take this uh, page away, this table, and to prayerfully reflect on it and think about it to be making some definite commitments for this year, to be growing in faith, to be growing in godliness and service uh, this year. 